October 22nd, 2020. This is Last Time on Video Games. We want to suck your blood. The podcast that is spooky because this is the last episode that comes out before Halloween. You're listening to episode 284. Call him Mr. Clean. Runtime for this episode is 1 hour and 23 minutes. That's spookily long. Ah, ah, ah. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that's not old enough to join the military. My name is Jeremy. Every bar of soap has its price. I'm Tyler. The FNG, my name is Zach. We played Zach's favorite game, Call of Duty 4, this week, but let's not talk about that. I, um, I feel like it should have been, we played Zach's favorite Call of Duty 4. <laughs> <laughs> There's multiple Call of Duty 4s now, isn't there? Yeah, there are. To be fair, none of them are called Call of Duty 4. They're all called Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It's Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3. But it is fine to call it Call of Duty 4-3. Yeah, well, I mean, when it came out, it was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. And then they're like, oh, well, let's just spin this off and do its own thing. So. Where does COD Blops fit into that canonic? Like, is it part of Modern Warfare or is it its own thing? I think it's its own thing. Okay. Yeah. Because the way Call of Duty was doing it for a long time, they had two studios developing them. And so they basically had a two-year development cycle. So Modern Warfare was Infinity Ward and then, like, World War II. Was it called World War II? The one with Nazi zombies in it? Call- Call of Duty 5 World War 2 is what the, it's called. The, no, I mean the, the first one that had... Call of Duty 5 is what that game is called. I'm pretty sure it's not. I think it's... Uh, and then World of War also sounds I think it right. might be World at War is the one that came out right after it. I'm pretty sure it has a number on it, because I'm pretty sure it's the where they drop numbers is after that one. I don't think that one has a number on it. Call of Duty World at War is Call of Duty 5, but it's just called World at War. Okay, I swear that was fine. Okay, that's what I'm I thought. Wrong. Hey, I said we weren't going to talk about Call of Duty, but Zach, do the stories get even more ridiculous in Modern Warfare 2 and yes, 3? Yes, <laughs> they really do. I was reading the Wikipedia synopsis. Do they also, get as anime as I want them to get? Um, Almost. <laughs> at least... I don't remember the storyline for three. No, I think three does end with you assaulting like a casino in a suit of armor. What you really want is just cause. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Which is basically the same main character, at least visually, it turns out, because the wiki had a bunch of pictures of Price and like he has a mohawk for some reason. Captain Price? Yeah. You can see Captain Price. Not Price, sorry. That's soap. not who I'm thinking of. Yes, soap. Or Lieutenant Marine Man. No, Johnson? So- <laughs> is that his name? <laughs> Marine Man Johnson. Uh, no, Johnson so. and Johnson? I think he's a sergeant. Yeah, he's a, he's a sergeant. Marine Man. He's Sergeant Marine Man. But before that, we haven't recorded in a couple weeks. So, Zach, what have you been playing in the meantime? League. I know you've been playing some League. I, I saw it. I, I, it's, I, it's my fault. I dragged him into it. I have played a bit of League. Um, we had a funny game yesterday where I got to play the new AD Carry in an actual game. And... Man, Samira is so much fun to play. I don't remember this. It must be true. We did it yesterday. Yeah, I just don't remember. You were playing... Wasn't the LeBlanc game... It, that's an ARAM. An ARAM isn't an actual game. It's an ARAM, Zach. <laughs> oh, no, that, no, that's, no, that's, that's actually a very good point. Um, they're, They've announced that their new champion is going to be, and it's just Euphemia. It's it's idle Euphemia from Code Geass. I, uh, okay. She looks like exactly like her. That's fair. Now, um, she also died tragically. 
Probably not. Uh, my fan theory is that people rip out her vocal cords because she's annoying, and then she travels back in time to become Sona, the champion already in the game that has the same abilities as her. <laughs> And Not the same quite, theme. but very, very close. Also, she comes with a super expensive skin where she starts as an indie pop star, evolves into a regular pop star, and then into a super K-pop star. Okay, I'm into that. That's fun. And you can pick which one you use. I mean, it's kind of a neat idea. Or it's a way for them to charge for three skins when you'll only use one. I mean, yeah, but that has made them quite a bit of money in the past. I do like my Elementalist Lux skin. Yeah, but you have to hit skill shots to be Firelux. I also like my DJ Sona skin. That's only one skin. It just comes with three songs. It has three different forms in it. Does so, it? I, oh, yeah, that's true. That's do they have the... activation ability or uh, conditions, or do you I, choose? Um, or... Lux's has an activation condition. It does it by damage dealt. The Sona one, you can just change. And one of her neat things is that when you use her ability, or when you pick that skin for the start, you have, anybody can click on a little icon and opt into the DJ Sona music in the game. <laughs> Instead of whatever would normally be playing. Yeah, so that's kind of neat. Which I always do unless I'm playing one of the magical girls, because there's a magical girl theme. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, wait, okay. Uh, continue for a second while I look up this random gif I found. I want to see if either of you knows what the hell this is from. Um... So what else have you been playing, Zach? I played a lot of Fate Grand Order because I saw an announcement, like a pre-announcement, that their next, like, Halloween event, Oniland. I mean, I think I know the title of that, but I can't think of it right now. I, can, I can't explain it with words. I, I comprehend. No, I'm just wondering if you know what specifically it's from. No. Because that came up while I was searching for Magical Girl gifts. I've never watched it, but I think I have seen it. What is it? I don't remember the title of it. Is I didn't actually watch it. High School watch Defense it. Force? Is that a real thing I'm thinking of? No, I, that's something else. This is something else, I'm pretty sure. But I played a lot of Fate Grand Order, mostly because I wanted to get through the story and all that for the second Lost Belt, because that was required to participate in the Oniland thing. So I chugged through that in like three days. Is Oniland what it sounds like? I was going to say, if I could uh, supplement the question with a question of my own, is Oniland just all the characters, but they're in drunk Oni skins? I don't know, because they haven't started the event yet, and I didn't read it i think it's run by shuten doji which is a uh, japanese like oni from folklore yeah it's the drunk one i'll believe that aren't all of them the drunk ones i mean yes but because shuten doji is like the progenitor he is okay. the are the, the main archetype it's it's like that one uh frost giant from the yeah. fr from frost giant lore that, that i don't call yodemheim but that's where uh, that's where they live the, he was the big bad in the second lost belt is he Loki's brother, or is that only in the Thor comics? That's only in Thor. Okay. Um, Thor, the movie, the comic, the game. Yeah, so Lost Belt 2 was fighting in Scandinavia after Ragnarok had gone through, but not quite. So the Lord of, like, the... I think it's Surtur is the guy's name. He is the Fired Frost Giant. Yeah, so he, um... They didn't actually finish off Ragnarok, so, like... The society that you end up in was Lost Belt was like 10,000 humans total, and they all died by the age of 25 by going outside of their specially protected villages to get squished by giants. Great. This is before or after Thor and the Hulk get all the survivors on a spaceship and then go get half of them killed by Thanos. I'm pretty sure that's before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is before. Okay. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but that's because I'm also a big fate person, so. 
Um, I spent a lot of today playing Ezra Lane Crosswave, which is the PC one. Um, is it fundamentally different than the mobile one? Yes. I think I've asked this before. But... It is fundamentally different from the mobile one. I do not recommend you play it. <laughs> is oh, that the only fundamental difference? It's not very good. But you're playing it anyway? Yes. Okay. That sounds like Kingdom Hearts, Zach. <laughs> hey, at least I know this is bad. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is brilliant. And it's amusing. <laughs> That's, I think, just proving Zach's point. <laughs> it's got its amusing <laughs> points, but it's when I'm looking at it from like a gameplay perspective, it's like, this really isn't very good. But I'm going to keep playing it because I'm bored. I actually played all the way through the Terran campaign in StarCraft 2. I should play the Zerg campaign. I-, I heard that it ends with Kerrigan selling her soul to the devil or something and lost interest. But I should play that sometime. And then remember, there is a Protoss campaign that I can also play. I think the first three levels are free. Because I played them and was like, oh, did they make this free? And then it was like, you need to buy it. And now I'm like, well, I'm-, I'm not paying 15 bucks for that. I was just saying, I'd pay 20 bucks for that. I just have to beat the Zerg one first where Kerrigan uninfests herself and sells her soul to the devil. Don't spoiler me. I, I like my version. Uh, she was uninfested at the end of the Terran campaign. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. And Nova's there. And Nova's trying to kill you, I think. And Jim Rander's like, no, don't kill my girlfriend. I spent so long trying to make her not the most evil person in the universe. It felt like, I don't know, about 20 years or something. <laughs> I had a, I, I really did not like the way they portrayed Kerrigan at the beginning of the Zerg campaign. Neither did I. That's also part of why I fell off. Yeah, but so you have Abathur, who's like, I shall make evolutions for you, because there was a tech tree in the last campaign, but we're Zerg, so we have an evolution tree. <laughs> well, they did make it so that you can change them between levels. Yeah, true. Eventually, you do end that. up in a situation where you have to pick between a couple of things for like individual units, but you can change up, like, I want this one to be more defensive this round. Or more offensive, so it's kind of a neat idea. That's still a fun game. Like, there's nothing wrong with StarCraft 2. It's just not as good as its predecessor, really. Despite being intentionally designed to beat out its predecessor. Yeah, but that kind of took away some of the magic. Yeah, I that's think the so, problem, yeah. is that they're like, okay, so this thing counters this thing, and this thing counters that, so you end up in a design, like a specific, very specifically designed experience with with like okay so if he's going for those i need these things so whereas starcraft was like all right i'm gonna do this thing it was like a lot more organically emergent yeah strategies could be yep i mean it's really weird if you play a version of the game and then you play the starcraft or the terran campaign because it's like look fire bats would you like your siege tanks to be able to move in siege mode and you're like yes i would you actually can't upgrade that. I thought you could for some reason. No. I must be thinking of the Heroes of the Storm character. Yeah, that's, that's a Heroes of the Storm thing specifically. Is that up still? Do they finally yeah. get rid of it? Okay. It, it's still in very light development. A couple characters have been added since we played it. Oh, I thought they were officially end of lifing it. No, I thought it was in maintenance mode. I mean, they've also done a bunch of reworks for characters. They seem to be... I think it's just a much, much smaller team. It is basically in maintenance mode, but they are not putting any money into it that it is not making. That's fair. Other than that, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time painting the last couple of weeks. And As everyone on the Discord anime. can attest. Well, one of the reasons why I post them there is mostly to make myself actually do it. If I post them there, I feel like I have some accountability, which makes me actually do the job. And I, I feel I like, like that's why social media exists for, like, for me specifically. I feel like that's why social media exists. I like so painting. I it's progress. just one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, 
why like my this is the one area where I get like a minor form of depression where I just like I do something, I share it, people are like, Oh, it looks like it's coming along nicely. And, and you're like, No, it's not, it's awful. It's burn it. It needs to be thrown in the garbage. I'm garbage. Uh <laughs> pretty close, actually. Um, not not that expressive, but it's very much like well, why should I even bother? I asked for critique. They gave me critique. They gave me some ideas to try for for the uh, for the model and for next time and all that. Well, why should I bother? Because it's still going to look like ass. Zach, just so you know, that's how I feel at the end of every game session I have DM'd in my entire life. It actually, it weirdly sounds like performance anxiety. It, oh, there's definitely a bit of that, too. I mean, I'm having some fun when I'm doing it. But I finish up and I look at the model and go, Man, I suck. <laughs> and then I have to remind my, like, that lizard brain part of me that, um, yes, you do kind of suck, but you've also not been doing it very long. You don't have much practice, and that's what all of this is. Hey, at least none of your Marines uh, with bazookas, you forgot to take off one of the runners, and you didn't notice it because it's in against the body, but now you can't unsee it because you have noticed it. And there's just this little peg coming out of this guy's arm at his elbow. That's just his bones oh. sticking out. <laughs> I don't think I've done that, but I'm not very good at building the vehicles, so most of my tanks, which I guess I have three of, I have like cracks in the side of them because I did them slightly wrong. And my warsuit is still looking at the sky. That's what epoxy putty is for, and then you paint over it. And my, uh, I think the last thing I did majorly, like I'm playing a lot of Ezra Lane still. The actual phone game. Yeah, so the mobile version is um, the PC So far, version. I have pretty much every ship I wanted now, because I recently got the USS Denver and the USS Colorado. Yeah, you just showed us the Colorado. It's obviously the Colorado. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure it is a Kingdom Hearts boss. The more me and Zach talk, I, I wonder if Azure Lane is somehow Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> uh, I doubt that. So do I, but the more ev- <laughs> the evidence But you never know. For one thing, uh, Azure Lane's more coherent. I don't, is Kingdom Hearts incoherent, or is it just rambly? It's convoluted. I don't even know that I think it's rambly. Honestly. Y- usually, there's not a lot of rambling. There are a lot of guys in black coats who are like, I know what's going on, and you don't, so I'm going to make fun of you, Ooh, you little kid. Cryptic, cryptic, cryptic. Yeah. Oh, that does remind me, I did boot up and play Mad Max for like an hour or two. Bold choice. I, hear, I mean, that game was made by the people who made Arkham City. And it's pretty obvious, at least with the combat, because it's got that counter combat in it. I mean, I enjoy playing the game every once in a while. Is it stellar? No, it's a pretty generic open world driving game for most of it. It devolves into uh, Arkham Asylum style combat or, I guess, Assassin's Creed style combat. But it's not bad. You definitely said Arkham City, and I definitely internalize that as Arkham Horror. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's a bold choice, going from making an incredibly complicated board game to Mad Max, I guess. Yeah, it's just you have fuel tokens instead of Madness Tracker. I've been pretty lazy, actually, the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I like guess... how lazy applies to playing video games. <laughs> I get it, though, because I play, like, dungeon crawlers well, over and over when I'm not feeling energetic. So. Well, for me, it's like not playing video games, mostly because, like, if I'm feeling lazy i don't seek out an active form of entertainment which is what a video game is instead i'm more apt to do things like watch almost every single episode one of new anime starting this season and just do that for like six hours or for instance watch all of misfit at demon academy because i was feeling lazy 
So what have you been lazing about, Tyler? Less, actually. I got on new meds. They're great. I, I do recommend. I, uh, I think you mentioned this, but I think you mentioned this on Gundam. So. Yeah, and also, I think, not on mic. Maybe not. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't on mic. Alex actually might have been the one that told us you were on new meds. No, Alex told us first, and then you came in afterwards and was like, I got new meds. That's right, yeah, no, because I think I was having to do some work stuff or something. Well, you, you had no, a social you were, obligation. It was a social oh, thing yeah, with your other... Like so work. I got to talk with your wife for an hour. I think that does not happen often enough. <laughs> that is fair, yes. <laughs> uh, and we wasted it talking about politics, because... Well, I mean, tis the season. Yeah. What have I been up to? Actually, quite a variety of things. So, uh, Minecraft, Steve, is the new yeah. Smash DLC fighter. He is so much fun to play. Oh, is he actually out? I didn't think he was out. I thought on they the were 14th. still working on him. Uh, yeah, no, they announced him on, like, the third or something, and Sakurai's like, eh, give it a couple weeks, and uh, he came out yesterday or the day before today's um, the 15th so so yeah i guess yesterday it feels like this week has lasted about two years i have seen some gameplay from him he does look fun it is bonkers yes. i don't know yeah i uh, saw sakurai explaining it and he's like well you have to mine uh your b4 is mine carts but obviously you need iron for mine carts or you can't use it uh and if you have redstone then you get powered mine carts so it goes faster yep accurate. i uh I'm super glad that I managed, or I didn't manage, but I took today when we're recording this and the day after we're recording this off just because. Just because. Especially because it means I'm not in the office the day after I messed up the microwave. <laughs> well, I didn't mess up the microwave, but man, PSA, I put this in the Discord, but not everybody's there. Don't put McDonald's nuggets in the microwave for two minutes. Don't put anything minutes. from McDonald's in the microwave. What are you doing? It seemed like a good idea at the they're, time. They're not salvageable. If, you, if you want to reheat like, them, pan with oil. I, yeah, think I, I, I put a quarter pounder in for 20 seconds once because we got two quarter pounders and we ordered only ordered one. And I'm like, so the next day I'm like, well, I guess I have this quarter pounder that nobody ordered. I That's could eat that. That's the equivalent of like feeding a gremlin after midnight. Yes, I know. It, <laughs> I've, I've nuked tr chicken nuggets before and it wasn't a problem, but this one was just too long. Well, to be fair, chicken nuggets are tasteless already, so... <laughs> What, what what more harm could you do? Uh, only Zach knows. It usually usually if you microwave them, it does make them a little bit tough. Uh, yeah, well, that's because they they consist entirely of moisture and like chicken proteins bound by that moisture, and when you microwave them, the moisture goes away. So yeah, do highly recommend Steve. If you're only going to pick up one DLC character, it's Terry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, are you okay? Pick Terry Bogart. <laughs> Uh, no, Steve's a lot of fun. I don't think he's particularly high tier. I, I would say he's probably medium high tier. Definitely not top tier. But um, he's fun. He's all he's probably the character I've had the most fun playing as in quite a while. And that includes Terry, who I have a blast with. I mean, that's the most important thing, really, oh, yeah. in my personal opinion. It's like, is this fun? Yes. Is it good? No. He is a More really important. interesting character with a really interesting moveset, and I think that makes him a great addition. Yeah, it'd be really bad if he was really, really good, but really, really boring to play. <laughs> yeah, Joker. Um, yeah. The thing I think that, weirdly, Terry Bogart and Steve have in common is that Sakurai was just like, let's just take them out of their game and put them in Smash. Let's Pretty not much. be like, what would it be like if Steve was in Smash? Let's be like, what if we took Minecraft and just stuck it in here and that was a character? What I also really like is that the Minecraft level has destroyable blocks. Yeah. So you start with a different environment and like you can dig pit traps for people and stuff. 
Uh, there was all sorts of crazy shenanigans with the TNT. I don't know. He's a lot of fun to play. I don't think I'm ever going to like be really good as him, but he's definitely fun for, for casual matches. Um, and obviously, zombie OP. Uh, obviously. There's, I think... Is that one of his like different color skins, a zombie? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think three different skins each for Alex and Steve, and then Zombie and Enderman are the, all the different skins for that character. And every character has eight skins, so that tracks. Some of them are really disappointing. I've, people keep talking about, like, how they could just print money if they just made skin DLCs for, like, a buck, and I think people would buy the heck out of them, but... Probably, I, but let's not give them any ideas. <laughs> I, they already kind of do that with the me Fighter stuff, right? Kind of, yeah, but, like, I want specific costumes for, like, Bowser. Or you something. want, like, Mega Man X. Yeah, I want X Mega as a Man, skin for X. Yeah, or, like, I want a dry Bowser skin. Um, uh-huh, okay. Let's see here, what else have I been playing? The other thing... Oh, yeah, so, because also still Nintendo, it's Spooktober season in Animal Crossing, and everything's adorable. That's that's the update there. So, um, I also picked up Star Wars Squadrons, um, mostly for a work thing, but also I was considering picking it up anyway. You guys remember how we played Wing Commander forever ago for this podcast? Yes. It's basically just an updated version of that that's Star Wars skinned. And I feel like that's what I want. It's quite good. Interesting. Uh, if what you want is a dogfighter that is just Wing Commander, basically, um, that's it. It's also got a form of like the flagship combat from uh battlefront ish except like, there's no boots on the ground where you just bomb battleships yeah so it's a kind of an ebb and flow thing so there's like the dogfight mode which is basically it's just deathmatch but with ships instead of so this is FPS. a this is a purely multiplayer thing right no it's actually got a fairly uh comprehensive single player mode okay as well. okay i thought it was a only a multiplayer thing i no. just wanted to tra- clarify that that's what actually makes it more like wing commander is that like between missions you can go around and talk to your uh wing mates and stuff and like go and learn weird tidbits about their life um which is one of the things i really liked about wing commander is all the characters help like characters as opposed to like 2d cardboard boxes they're like 3d cardboard boxes um, and I think this replicates a lot of the same feel. Uh, I would not be surprised if one of the devs quoted Wing Commander as their direct inspiration for this game. Um, no, so the uh, flagship assault is there are a bunch of AI units on both sides and a couple of frigates and a couple like light frigates and your flagship. And you get points for morale by just shooting anything down. Human players are worth more. When your morale meter fills up, all the AI units push forward towards the other person's side. Then you have to take out their flagships and then take out their capital ship so, in that order. Kind of like a Dynasty Warriors, or does the map shift when your units push forward? Uh, no, the map is static. Okay. So, um, I have not played a Dynasty Warriors in a very long time, but I would believe that that's about how that works. You can't really go in and like lone wolf it yourself against a capital ship because there's just too much enemy fire. You will just die. You can't evade their turbo lasers. Yeah, even when morale is fully on your side and your entire squadron is over on top of it, there's still so much gunfire. It takes a while to take down an enemy capital ship. Can they push back at that point? Yeah, so at that point, if they kill enough of you, which will happen because you're being shot down because you're over their capital ship, the morale will shift back to their side and then they can push forward. So it's kind of like, who can push, keep the advantage longer? Is damage persistent on it? Or d- yeah, damage is, it... is persistent, but shields regenerate. So, okay. um, but one of the targets you can take down on a capital ship is the shield generator. So that's usually the first thing I go for. But sometimes you want targeting because the uh, turrets are a pain in the ass. 
Yeah, but knocking out the shield generator means that they're not recovering health, as it were. Yeah, I, I played it with a couple people from work earlier this week, and I'd be really interested to try it again with a full squadron, and actually, we were not really doing team tactics very well, like, we needed to designate a wing leader, and I don't, we didn't really, and, like, there were so many targets on the battlefield that I think having just one person call out, go after that target would help a lot, if only because you're all kind of in the same general vicinity and can support each other. It's really hard to find your allies just because there's so much going on. Um, but in a way, I like, like, I say that like it's a bad thing, but I think it's mostly just I am bad at managing the flow of battle in this game. The other, other, other thing I have been playing is Medieval Dynasty, which is... Never even heard of that. That sounds like a Jeremy game. Go on. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I also hadn't heard about it, except the Spiffing Brit did an episode on exploiting its economy. Because why wouldn't you? It is a game where you start as like a lone survivor it has a very kind of seven days feel except there's a town you can go to you are uh, you have like the heroes beginning where your entire family died due to war or something i don't know whatever but you came to this valley because your rich uncle was in this valley at one point and everyone has fond memories of your rich uncle so they basically say well you can build anything anywhere you just have to be able to pay taxes on it come spring so it's harvest moon Kind of. There was a lot of crop harvesting, although that's not where you make most of your money, it turns out. Um, that's mostly, you can do a bunch of crop stuff to save your time, self time hunting so that you can go do other things instead. So it's Rune Factory. It's kind of like <laughs> Rune Factory, yes. Um, except there's not, so there's like a lot of combat and like you go into the wilds and catch rabbits and stuff early game, but then as soon as you get enough resources, you're like building houses and stuff. And then you're recruiting people to come live in your little hovel of a village. And then you build up your village and you assign people to tasks and they produce things automatically. So it's kind of like it becomes it goes from like a pretty standard like crafting survival game to like kind of an economy management thing. But also your contributions matter because you are some sort of ubermensch who doesn't need to sleep all season. Yeah, you, you caught Shonenitis. Yeah, you have Shonenitis um, and you can chop down trees at 12 times the rate of a normal man. So you need to do so in order to support your village. But also your villagers can start helping to support themselves. I've actually gotten to a point where I have too many people who are not good enough at things that I've been having to kick them out so that I can get higher skill people into the same positions. So it's Epcot. But Epcot as well, Disney wanted it to be, not actual Epcot. Yes. <laughs> You're not good enough. Get out. Um, it's a lot of fun. Like, it's a game that I've wanted for, like, a year and a half now, and it is almost exactly hitting the spot where I want it. Like, you can assign someone to go, like, work your fields, and you can just go out and watch them, like, go until the field, and then they, like, fertilize it, and then they plant the seed, and you can just watch them do that over the course of a day. Um, granted, it's way faster if you do it, because you are, again, some sort of superhuman that moves at five times the rate of most humans. Work faster, peasants. And you don't need to sleep for an entire season. It forces you to auto-sleep at the end of every season, which I'm like, I guess I have to sleep four times a year. That so sounds your, great. Your I mean, just... I would still hate having to sleep, I'm sure, but... <laughs> So your guy just, like, completely crashes and burns at the end of the season and sleeps for a month? Yeah, at the end of a season... No, that's you... a Persona protagonist, Zach. <laughs> Although I guess Persona 5 doesn't really have that. What, where your character sleeps yeah. for a month? Persona 3, that character's going into comas all the time. Lame. It's less in the um, in festival because they, add, they uh, put all the extra stuff in places where he had comas. So, he wasn't... so, like, your Skull Festival occurs and where the original game, he was in a coma. I assume they're plot comas. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, no, at the end of every season of this, it just like you wake up in bed at the dawn of the next day. Um, I am currently 1,110 money units in debt because I had a bunch of farmland that I didn't actually use and I didn't know how to destroy it. So I just left it there and I kept getting taxed on it. So I need to go do that before my dynasty reputation. Oh, also, it's a dynastic game. So when you die, your heir takes over. So you you pass on Shonenitis to him, obviously. Yes. It skips a generation. So you're playing as your grandson. Yeah, your <laughs> your heir, whoever they happen to be, um, develop shonenitis as soon as you die, and not before. Or, or is it an Orochimaru situation? I was where wondering if it was an Orochimaru situation, <laughs> possessing yeah. their body and pretending to be them. Um, little column A, little column B. I actually wonder if it's more like Crusader Kings. Is uh, it a Xehanort situation? You do that to thirteen people, so you have twelve backups. Um, I think definitely it's a Xehanort situation. The more I'm thinking about it, because I am definitely uh, and and then you have seven backup backups, so in case <laughs> anything happens to one of your backups. So if that sounds at all appealing, which it definitely is to me, um, it is a great time killer game. Um, and also it was like fifteen dollars. It is super early access to the point where devs are making daily updates. Like, one day I had a shovel, it did nothing, the next day I had a shovel, and suddenly I can dig up stumps with it, and it gives me wood for digging up those stumps. Well, I mean, that's good that there's still active development going on for it right now, if it's in early access. It's only been available for, like, two months or something. I feel like they just, like, took someone else's engine, and are now just, like, putting this, like, weird town management system on top of it. And honestly, I'm okay with that. It works quite well. The, like, the UI is a little clunky. I have, like, an entire page of, like, playtest notes that I want to send them. Uh, speaking of games that recently added shovels, part of the new Left 4 Dead 2 update is shovels as a melee weapon. I'm sorry. Did you say Left 4 Dead 2 update? Yeah, there was a fan-made update that Steam decided to make official. Okay. Okay, that's a little weird. Yeah, for a 10-year-old game, yes. Well, it's kind of like that one fan-made Mega Man game because Capcom had ignored Mega Man for so long. They're like, yeah, whatever. We'll sprinkle our Capcom (laughs) dust on it. (laughs) Oh, no, that's our Dead Rising dust. No. (laughs) And the first Dead Rising is fun. The second Dead Rising is not bad. I never played the ones after, but as far as I understand it, they got pretty shit. The the fourth Dead Rising is clearly an identity crisis happening in a video game in front of you. It's got zombie golf where Frank Rest comments on your golf game. (laughs) That's hilarious. I was more just thinking what happens if you accidentally get the Dead Rising dust on your Mega Man. I I am watching somebody play through the uh, campaign mode of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and there is a bit where um umbrella captures uh mayor hagar and frank west is investigating him and he like jumps out spider-man like opens the case that he's in and he jumps out and just starts choking frank west he's like one minute i'm doing paperwork and the next i'm choking out frank west (laughs) (laughs) what's going on here spider-man Wow. Yeah, Ow. I was gonna, like, with great mayoral power comes great suplexes. I don't know. Uh, what I have you been up actually to, Jeremy? with great suplexes comes great mayoral power. I th- Yeah, that is definitely how it works in the Final Fight universe. Uh, yeah, that's why Hulk Hogan is mayor, right? I- Hulk Hogan! Anyway. Yeah, I did listen to that. It was very good, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, thank you for doing that dumb thing for me. <laughs> I practiced it for like 15 minutes before realizing I can't do a Hulk Hogan impression, and then I just moved on. <laughs> Everybody can do an Ultimate Warrior impression, though. That is true, yes. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I was not doing the Ultimate Warrior, and that's kind of what I slipped into anyway, but... Uh, it's fine. Um, Pretty much just League of Legends. That's the only video game I'm playing for fun right now. 
That's fair. May I recommend Medieval Dynasty? <laughs> Isn't that basically why you stopped playing League of Legends? Yeah. Because when you were playing League of Legends, that's literally all you were playing. Y- yes, yes, it is. But, you know, I can treat myself a little bit. Um, I'm playing ranked, um, and I'm not convinced I'm not in hell. But I am in Silver 4 now. I seem to be sucked there. But I am out of bronze. Yeah, so climbed. that's no longer in hell. I, some people think silver is worse than bronze. I can see that. People think silver and platinum are the worst elos, generally. I wonder if that's still the case since they added iron. I mean, the thing is, iron is people who don't know how to play League of Legends, so you're playing with a bunch of other people who don't know how to play League of Legends. I'd probably end up in there, because I'm pretty crap. You'd be at least bronze. You'd probably be silver. You at least know how to play the game. You know that pink wards exist. Yeah. What does a pink ward do? Um, it is visible to all people, but it sees other wards and disables them. Oh, that's And nice. lasts forever. Well, until killed. it is destroyed by an enemy player. And because it's visible to everyone. Yeah. You put it in a bush, and then if you're in silver like me, it lasts a surprising amount of time. <laughs> Why? Because people know where it is, but they can't, like... No, no people, people just, just never see it. Yeah. They, and they ignore it if they do. That's amazing. And you're like, why is my vision score as a mid laner three times the vision score of the support? I got actively mad at an off-meta support because he was completely useless. Yes, that's why it's my fault. Uh, But that's all I've been playing. So, other than the assignment, which was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which I think is the most recent video game we've ever played for this podcast. Uh, It's up there for sure. I think it is the most recent one, because I don't think anything else has come close to it. But we're in the end times of the podcast, so screw it. We are. That was a note rather than a complaint of any sort um i mean yeah i was in college when this game came out the first time i played it was when i was visiting zach during my christmas break from my first semester of college i think maybe it was fall break oh yeah your first couple of semesters weren't yeah yeah i I went to a real college for a year yeah i'd totally forgotten about that so call of duty 4 is a first-person shooter, and it's kind of the defining first-person shooter of the current and last uh, console generation. Definitely in terms of multiplayer. And, like, Call of Duty dominated the console market after this. Yeah, I definitely think of the 360 PS3 generation. It's the defining game. I kind of wonder if younger people who play more games wouldn't argue that things like the new Doom and Wolfenstein are more the face of what shooters are in the modern generation. I don't think so, but that's mostly because while I like both of those games, they're both definitely double-A titles. Like, they don't seem to have as much of a following, right? I do Maternal. I, I've never played, so I couldn't tell you on that I've one. I've heard it's really good. So have I. I just haven't played it. I mean, do we want to talk about the story? Or do we want to talk about like how mechanically this this changed shooters or differed from shooters that came before? The thing is, the campaign plays so similarly to Call of Duty. Like, that is I fair. was surprised how similar it is. It's, it's very action movie. Oh, it's so action movie. I was going to get into that later. Just, especially the early levels feel just like the original Call of Duty to me. You're just moving up. You're kind of in charge of flanking. You've got this squad with you, but they basically exist to make you lose if you shoot them by accident because they look like everybody else. (laughs) 
in this one, it's actually a little bit better because they don't die immediately if you shoot them. The first time I killed one, they died in one shot. And it was like, friendly fire will not be tolerated. And that gave me a complex the entire time I was playing this game. There was a long time where I would run into a room and just be shot to death because I had to hover over this guy for a second to make sure he was not my friend before Are I Are you shot Sergeant him. Johnny? Okay, good. I never actually had that problem. And I shot a bunch of my teammates when I, I was I wonder if you just got lucky and got a headshot or something. I, I, I'm almost certain it was a headshot because there were plenty of times later um, where I reversed from that and it was like, okay, I just need to shoot people immediately. And I shot Gaz a lot of times and he did not <laughs> die. But I really don't like the friendly fire system in this game. It's not a huge detractor. As Zach said, they do have a little bit of durability, but you can kill them in one shot. And the game is just like friendly fire will not be tolerated. The game judges you for shooting them when you're like, <laughs> I was in a dark boat and there were Russians. <laughs> Why was he sneaking ahead of me? I'm supposed to be on point. I'm, I'm torn still on whether or not I like the fact that you almost always have friendlies with you. I think it works to give the game a sense of that action movie style. I feel like most action movies are just like one guy ripping through an army, though, right? There's usually not support. I guess it's closer to like the idea of like Band of Brothers or something, where it's like, this is my, these guys are my squad. We talked about it in our Call of Duty episode, but Band of Brothers is absolutely what Call of Duty wanted to be, the first one. And I never played Call of Duty 2 or 3, but I imagine it was much the same. And this is applying that formula to air quotes modern warfare. Because people were criticizing them for making so many World War II games. And by them, I mean everyone who was responsible for making video games. They were like, Nintendo, stop making World War II shooters. And Nintendo was like, but but we're Nintendo. Like, stop making World War II shooters. Well, at the time, there were a lot of World War II shooters. So they were like, okay, well, let's try putting it set in the modern era. I remember about that time I uh, went and did some research and found that there was more media that existed about World War II at that time than the actual duration of World War II. Yeah, yes. I still remember listening to one of Yahtzee's videos where he was like, at this point, you know, the Normandy landings would have taken about six months if you looked at every <laughs> bit of, like, game and video that took place in World War II. Although, like, I, I understand from a marketing reason it's a good idea, but I don't know that this feels any different than a World War II shooter, Call of Duty. I Other, think that's probably fine. It's got a slightly different palette in terms of the buildings are a little bit more bombed out, and there are modern cars on the streets that are on fire. But as far as the gameplay is concerned, I don't really think it changes much. That's because war. War never changes. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look back at it, it's very much that that idea of, like, the gameplay doesn't really change a whole lot when it comes down to it. There's still a lot of the, okay, you got to push up and you got to move into that particular building or hold this position until a wave's end. And you're not a high enough rank to open doors, so you will wait until your captain gets here to do it. Yes, you're in the right spot and you shouldn't be fumbling around trying to figure out where you're supposed to go. You just aren't allowed to open doors, Sergeant. Yeah, so (laughs) because I, I, they don't function as loading screens. No, they they uh, function as barriers for the level, basically, as pacing things. And you talked about it being an action movie, and that's kind of my greatest frustration with this game's campaign, is there are so many parts where I'm like, oh, in a movie, this would be really tense. But in a game, I'm literally just holding down the stick to run through this boat. And there is no danger, uh, except for that if I somehow mess up, I will die. But that's very binary. It's like, I think we've made this point before about horror games. They're very tricky, because if you die... That actually takes away all the tension, uh, but you have to feel a threat of death. And I feel like most of the 
action movie scenes in this game suffer from that immensely. Of uh, There's a lot of running in this game that's just kind of pointless. And there's a lot of... It's very direct, directed, too, the entirety of the game. There are parts where there are tanks, but those are segments with one solution, which is go to the barn, get the javelin missile launcher, and destroy the tanks. Yeah, I definitely find, heard go to the bar. Find... <laughs> um, designated explosive there is a level later on apparently in act three where you have to kill a couple of uh tanks and you can either do it with c4 or you can go find the missile launchers that are stored somewhere on the level i did c4 so did i because you have smoke grenades and it's like all right i can use that to get close enough and i feel like this game would benefit from a little bit more of things like that where you have like frankly this game has a fairly wide arsenal and it would be nice if you could use that more it, dynamically, I guess. It very rarely lets you choose how you want to approach situations, though. And when it does, that's when the game's at the best. There's one level. Um, it's after I'll get laid up. I think it's called One Shot, One Kill. Uh, where the oh, I en- like that one a lot. Where yeah. the end of that level is basically a Left for Dead like survival bit, where you have to survive against a wave long enough for the chopper to pick you up, and you get claymores and C4, and you get to pick where you want to set up to hold them off. And I think that might be the best part of this video game. Uh, it's not the only part like that, but it's a part where you have genuine choice. You don't have a lot of weapon choice. You're basically forced to use a sniper rifle. That would have been my choice anyway. Uh, but you have to think about position and stuff. Or anything they happen to be using. But so many other parts of this game are just, hey, Soap, do this thing. Exactly like we told you. We gave you the correct gun for this, so use that. Uh, and it is somewhat good about mixing that up. I think the early bits of this campaign really suffer. I got super, super bored with this game. It just felt like Call of Duty struggling through the first couple levels. And then once you get about four or five hours in, they actually start to vary things up yeah, a bit. It opens and it gets up a lot way later. better. There are levels like the one where you're looking for the guy through various safe houses and you have a shotgun, uh, which is a very good tool for that. But you also have a machine gun for when you're going between houses and that level's pretty interesting. Um, I but, don't remember when exactly the AC-130 mission takes place. But also I a love good that change mission. of pace, yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about some of those, though, because there are lots of kind of mini-games in this game that I get what they were going for, but I don't know that I think they're great design. And the AC-130 is probably the best of those, so it's good to transition from that. There's a level where basically one of your levels ends with you calling in a helicopter to help you, and then in the next level, you are playing as the helicopter and you have to shoot all the enemies. You are incredibly powerful. The only way to lose is to shoot your friendlies, which are, I don't want to say not clearly marked because they are, but it is a little unintuitive until you get it. I'm trying to think of a, a helicopter level in this game. The AC-130 level is what I'm talking about. Oh, is that, that is not a helicopter. Oh, no. AC-130 is a plane. Oh, okay. Uh, there is a helicopter level, too. It's yeah, the one with the nuke. Yeah, where you're on the, like, the grenade launcher yep. in the side. That that's what I thought you were talking about, but I'm like, but that's not how that level goes. That's also one where you just want to shoot anything that moves, right? There's also the start of the start the start of one shot one kill is you are sniping a guy from an extreme distance, and it doesn't play like sniper play in a video game. It plays like it's a dedicated sniper sim for a second. And those are good as changes of pace. Like I said, I think the AC-130 bit is really good because you feel very powerful briefly. And if that lasted any longer, the game would get super boring because you're so powerful, it doesn't matter. But it is a good change of pace. The problem with those is kind of the same problem we talked about with the last boss of Devil May Cry. Whereas they're one-time segments and they are not very well tutorialized. Like the sniper bit where you have to shoot off the guy's arm. I was stuck on there for almost 40 minutes trying to figure out how the sniper mechanics worked. Huh. 
because they don't really tell you. He talks about the Cornelius effect, a thing that I assume is a real thing for snipers. Coriolis. 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 Okay. <laughs> I believe that's how the the spin of the bullet affects its trajectory. It's actually the rotation of the Earth. Yeah. And whether you're in the northern or southern hemisphere. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But I am not a trained sniper. Nor is there a tutorial bit where it t- teaches you how to snipe, so you just have to fuck it, do it live. I remember um, having a lot of trouble with that the first time I played this game. I don't think I've ever missed. Oh, I missed, I think, 12 times at least before I got it. And when you miss, your captain calls you a fucking idiot, and then you have to restart from the beginning, and you have to wait for the guy to get out of the car, and you have yep. to wait for your captain to ID him as the target, and you get to do that a bunch of times. And you're tearing your hair out, and you look up on game FAQs and like, just do it, bro. Get good, <laughs> get dumbass. Good. <laughs> and I'm like, gee, thanks. And I think there are a lot of mechanics in this game that just end up working like that. There are some counterexamples. The uh, infamous nuke, nuke bit, which we'll talk probably talk about, uh, has a bit where you have to pick somebody up and carry them. And that mechanic is later reused in the level one shot, one kill, only with more um, gameplay to it, because you have to put the person down and he will cover you from wherever you put him down. So there's more choice in that and ebb and flow. But I think lots of bits of this game that are just so prescribed that compared to something like Halo, where the weapon diversity is, I think, a little bit more obvious, uh, they those levels just feel like they give you a lot more choices to make as you're making your way through them. No, I mean, you're, everything you've said isn't wrong. I, I obviously really, really like this game. I've never really had the problem of the tutorialization issue that Jeremy's talking about. I can see where that would be an issue, because like, if you do make a mistake on that, you have to wait for so long. But they do also say you can wait for the flag to drop. They actually point it out if you're listening to what he's saying. But sometimes they also it's tell you though, wing it basically. They also tell you though, oh, but by then he might have left. So you, I, I wasn't even sure if that was an option. And I waited for the flag to be pointing at me, and that doesn't seem to do anything. And when I finally did make the shot, I didn't feel like okay, I understand the sniper mechanic. I felt like okay, I guess I got a lucky shot. <laughs> Coincidentally, I picked up Sniper 3 a while ago. I should go play that. I also think it does a bad job of tutorializing basic Call of Duty mechanics for you, though. It does have, very similar to the other Call of Duty games, it begins with you in a shooting range where you uh, go through basic stuff, but it doesn't tell you things like, R3 studies your breath when you're sniping, and this is what that does. It shows up in on-screen prompts, but it doesn't really give you any information about it at any point. I just know that because I played Call of Duty 4 before. Well, I think that's okay because it has the, it's it's a context sensitive thing, and it as you said, it is on the screen, so you know that that's a steady thing. And if you do it, it's pretty obvious what it does because your 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 uh, reticle stops dancing all over the place. But it's bad at showing you how long you can do that, and like what the optimal way to do it. Like, should you do it for short bursts? Should you do it for long periods, but then wait long periods before you do it again? I think that's just leaving it up to people to make their own decisions of how exactly they want to well, do that. It would be nice if they told you mechanically how does it work so that you make an informed decision, right? As opposed to experimentation, which is fine. It's just like you have a tutorial. Might as well use the tutorial. There's also lots of little bits where he's like, get to the minigun soap. And I'm like, okay, where the fuck is that, Captain? Oh my god, everyone's <laughs> shooting me. And like, soap, what are you doing? Get to the minigun. I'm trying, Captain. And to be fair... Later, Call of Duties went the complete reverse direction of that, and every two seconds, they're like, Soap, go left, then right, then left, then right, then left, then uh, Soap, go left, then right. I'm like, I'm doing that right now, goddammit. So the middle ground is admittedly tricky, 
But there were lots of times I found myself frustrated, especially with the doors, which is why I brought that up so much. There were so many times where I'm like, okay, this is where the pointer tells me to go. What am I supposed to do? I never had any problems with like when they say go do this thing because they're labeled on the top of the screen. They're really hard to miss. Are they labeled on the top of the screen? I know on if, the bottom you have the, you, the reticle to go to. If you look at the the compass, yeah, yeah, tell you where they are. They do, but they don't give you good context for like, oh, that's actually above me. Yeah, because it's just two dimensional. It, it's a sort the sort of thing I actually find more frustrating because a lot of the times it's you know brain dead just follow the compass. So when I follow the compass and I don't get the result that's expected, it very much frustrates me. More often than not, whenever I had one of those moments where they're like, okay, you got to go do this. It's like, okay, where is it on the compass? And I turn around, look, and the thing is, in, if it's in the top floor, it's glowing. That is true. It does glow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. If, if they're telling you to do anything specific, the thing is glowing gold. It's really easy to tell the context actions when they tell you to do something in that game. Although I definitely tried to find a rocket launcher once and spent like five minutes wandering around before accidentally stumbling into it. So it happens sometimes. I'm not saying it's perfect. Well, and that's why I'm saying it's frustrating to me because it happens sometimes and other times it's fine. Again, the doors were the worst part, which is mostly at the beginning of the game. That problem starts to go away the longer you get into it. They start they stop gaining levels that way. But there are lots of bits where you just have to wait. Like, one of the last levels I did, there's a bit where there are a bunch of enemies on the top floor of an area, and you just have to wait for your helicopter to come murder them all in an action movie sequence. You act, It's actually completely non-interactable. Yeah, I do remember that's the sequence that you're talking about. That one is not particularly well designed because it's literally just waiting for something to happen. You're not even using, like, a a button or anything like that to tell it where guys are to attack. It's just waiting for it to complete. Obviously, I really, I've, I really like this game, and it's one of the better shooters out there. The last um, couple of levels are infiltrating, like a, are invading like a Russian nuclear base to stop the nukes that are set off or that are launched. So you're fighting your way in, and then fighting your way back out, and then you ride one of the nukes out, and then land it in the White House. That's Saints Row Four, different thing. And then you drive out in a jeep, and that there's that last. Uh, like basically chase sequence yeah and i said that uh i'm not super into some of the ways that they vary up the game but i think it does a much much better job than the first call of duty where i really felt like all the levels just super bled together this game has that a little bit uh, in that i really wish there was more fanfare after you completed a level i understand why they don't necessarily want to have here's the number of guys you killed hooray (laughs) in this you know modern air quotes realistic war game But something like that to decompress, I think, would help it a lot, because I never really felt like I succeeded in this game. I just felt like I was following the magic railroad to the next dumb plot point. Uh, Speaking of dumb plot points, do we want to hit any of them specifically? I mean, Uh, there are some iconic moments, I think. Yeah, I wanted to say, is there anything else you want to talk about the mechanics of the campaign before we talk about story? Because I feel like that's a good way to exit out and talk a a bit about the multiplayer. Well, a little bit of that one of the distinct differences is you get a very large selection of grenades in multi or in single player not selection but you get a lot of grenades when you're playing the game more as in multiplayer you only have one yep and the grenades are super useful i remember one level in particular where like i kept dying to a guy with a shotgun who was around a corner i'm like oh wait i have grenades i've died four times and i had a solution to this problem I think that's necessary because they give you so much ammo because they want to prescribe the experience. I think they want you to use the gun they give you for the entirety of each level. 
Um, cause they give you enough ammo to. And so you need to have grenades. So there's some degree of, okay, I'm going to use this resource. Yeah, you guys want to tell me about the story? Because this isn't a genre that I think is very tricky, which is, you know, the modern, you know, World War Three prevention genre, the sort of Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy kind of genre that I think is, it's kind of a politically fraught genre by its uh, nature. I think this is a very dumb, bad example of it, because as I've said before, video game stories tend to be bad. And there was lots of yikes, I thought, when I was playing this game <laughs> as a... 31-year-old in an election year. (laughs) In 2020. It's actually a lot more even-handed than it appears on the surface. Because the broad strokes is... SAS team finds, like, listings on a cargo freighter of somebody sold a nuke to to a Middle Eastern country of unspecified a stand. Yeah, Batman, Um, death in the family, go on. Then... (laughs) So, like, that starts off a conflict there... Uh, that nuke later goes off, and then it's up to the SAS characters and a unit of Russian special forces characters. You're actually working with them to go into this facility because this ultranationalist, like super duper terrorist dude, yeah, the white fang, is trying to uh, drop blo- a colony on Earth. The- yeah, basically <laughs> drop a colony on Earth by setting off a nuclear winter. Like that's the broad strokes of the game's campaign. And th- this is a, this is not a Call of Duty problem. This is a video games problem. But like I found the audio balance early on to be very difficult to understand the dialogue, and it took me a long time to find the subtitle option. And again, that's not a Call of Duty problem. That's a video games can't decide where the fuck you put the subtitles option. Uh problem. But obviously, I well, I mean, I'm not gonna say obviously, but. I had play, apparently played it before and already found that option because as soon as I jumped in, they were already the subtitles were already on. Dude, okay, so this is this is a quick aside. Do you guys play any games where subtitles are an option without subtitles? I don't watch movies without subtitles if I can help it. Okay, bold choice. Um, I usually don't play games with subtitles, but a lot of times I will turn them on because they tend to be pretty helpful for understanding what's going on in a lot of cases. Yeah, I've just had so many issues historically with the audio balance being off that I've just always played with subtitles on. I do not watch most of my movies with subtitles on, though. So I, I think it's a Doctor Who James Bond problem where a British accent is just a little bit weird on my ears and I want to be able to read to confirm. Okay, and then I just true. got used to it. Makes sense. And, and also, I am in a room very close to another person's room with my TV literally on the wall, so I will often have low volume, so I think that probably also contributes. Fair. Why don't more TVs have Bluetooth options to connect a headphone? Um, mine so, does, uh, but I don't use it. That's fair. I find h- headphones very uncomfortable. Fair. Anyway, sorry, that was a random tangent. In yeah, a lot of cases, fair. I agree with him on the headphones thing, but... Yeah, the broad, that's the broad strokes of the campaign. So. I was mostly thinking, like, the dying via nuke well, that, scene. And <sighs> I actually really like the particular scene there because it's treated as a... Just, like, it's a right heroic bef- getaway, and then you die anyway. Yeah, right before then you make the, oh, we're going to go save this, uh, this, this downed pilot and, you know, uber heroes. It's a saving Private Ryan. Now we're going to you know escape and look at this and then they're caught in the blast anyway i honestly had i see dead people problems with the moment 
where I really like the moment after. It actually reminds me a lot of the intro to Metal Gear Solid Five, which I also love with uh, Snake right after surgery. He keeps falling down. I, I was re- thinking about that, too, actually. I really like the uh, the aftermath bit where you're crawling around uh, before the character dies. Yeah, when you're slowly like bleeding out, basically. But Dying of radiation poisoning. To me, the moment is death shock, right? You're right about it being you know a subversion of expectations, but... I don't give a fuck about Sergeant whoever who dies who I'm playing as. What are his character traits? I feel like Mario has more personality than this guy. When when I first played this game, I did not realize there's a difference between him and Soap. Well, so. it, honestly, that's a con- pretty consistent problem with a lot of shooters is the way they usually write their stories. The main character is dull as dishwater and isn't supposed to have a character. Yeah, your shooty Mick has a gun. Yeah, so, so I don't care when he dies. <laughs> Tragically. As opposed to the Chief, who has, like, a lot... I, I expect we're going to be comparing this a lot to Halo when we actually do the ratings. The Chief doesn't have any character traits either. He has, a, he has more than this. Um, the, the thing about the Chief is he has Cortana in his head, who is a who does have character traits. So, like, he has an onboard hostage that you might care about uh, <laughs> who can die. And, and I think, uh, compared to Sergeant Johnson, Master Chief has a, a rich inner life. Not to say he has a big personality, but it's why, like, if Doom guy died at the end of Doom, would you care? I don't think so. Um, Probably and not. And I have very similar issues here. And uh, talking about Tyler's point about uh, not knowing that he and Soap are different people, I did. But just because I feel like this moving around what faction you're in is a Call of Duty thing, and I feel like there's not a reason to really do it in this game. Um and that's highlighted by the fact that they just kill one of them off less than a third into the game. Well, that's that's the reason why they jump around between them is in part to give a little bit more context and to bring home the, yes, that was a nuke that just went off because you were involved in, you were directly involved in it. I think it's also Call of Duty subverting its own tropes because it had done that before and then you have like a link up moment that's like satisfying and stuff and this game decided, nah, nuke it from orbit. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is story-wise, all it provides is shock. Yeah, I think generally. Um, I think that's okay, actually. And that's pro- that's actually kind of a problem because they started trying to do it in later games and it just doesn't work nearly oh, yeah. as well. It's not nearly as bad as either 2 or 3, whichever is the one where you have to kill a bunch of innocent people in that's an airport. That's 2. Which is just shock for the sake of shock and really missing the point. Yeah, no Russian is that level. And it's not very good because at the same time, it's like you're trying to be shocking. But at the same time, I know this is just a bunch of ones and zeros. Whereas the other one, it's like this was my this was the avatar I was playing. Yeah, I would say it's different when it's from the first person perspective and something like that happens. Right. And, and then and I think that's why I like the aftermath, because that is sort of, you know, it's a first panned experience of dying. And that is not unique to this game, but it's very rarely attempted and also very rarely pulled off. But I don't care that that character is dead. I just think as an art piece, that's interesting. I do uh, remember the first time I played the game, I thought I might have done something wrong, and I replayed it to see if I could, like, not I think die there. I think that's probably the way, in part, they intended it, is that people were supposed to think, oh, I must have done something wrong. I must have needed to be faster. I mean, this is post-game uh, FAQ saying you can save Eris and Mew is under a truck. So they may have been trying to tap into that a little bit. Um, another thing that is actually kind of attached to that is how this game, how it starts, the campaign. First, you go out and you do the the tra- the training, which does tell you how high of a difficulty level it thinks you should be at. 
Uh, does it? Is that still true in the HD version? Because yeah. I feel like it asked me beforehand, and I don't remember it ever saying, hey, we think you should go for this it, difficulty. If you do the training and do the uh, the ship the, thing, it will tell you what it thinks your you difficulty should be at. Do you have to do it a second time? Because it makes you do the ship thing once. No, you don't have to do it a second time. It'll huh. it'll bring that up every time you do it. I don't. I just don't remember seeing that. That is a good feature. Um, and you can either choose to go with it or not. Like I kept doing the ship until I got it to the difficulty I Me wanted because too. I find that, <laughs> I find that whole training sequence fun. Um, but then after you do that level, it goes to like this one of the kickoff points for the story for the, the American side of things where like the president is shot and you do that entire sequence from first person i really think that moment's weak because you don't know who this is like i you telling me that was the president that's how i learned that's the president i'm pretty sure they mentioned the dude at the beginning it, if you're looking at the subtitles uh, on the loading screen well I, I was not looking at the subtitles on the loading screen it's a loading screen um if you're watching and, and the also, loading screen which is where a lot of the story for this yeah. actually comes from and i think that's one of the weaknesses that's again why i want like a celebration screen at the end of the level to decompress because then i would be more ready to receive some story after i look through those numbers so it's also a debrief almost yeah well in a way the, it, it's uh, a relief of some tension you're not really, I don't think you as a player are supposed to care about the, the dude that gets killed. You're, it's, it's mainly the, it's a credit sequence. Yeah. That's all, that's basically what that is. It's a long se- credit sequence. And I think it's artistically interesting because there's stuff going on everywhere and you get to direct and look at the action. But I think that's contrasted against so much of the rest of the game where they make you look because it's expensive to make this and we can't <laughs> afford to let the players miss it. Anything else we want to say on the story? Or shall we move into the multiplayer for a little bit? I was going to ask Zach specifically if there were any other like story beats that you wanted to like, hit on this. The flashback in the middle is interesting. It does good flashback stuff where it introduces a character that uh, is not in the present and endangers him. He's in the present. Is Mac- oh, no, no. Mac- no yeah. The, the Mac- captain is not. Yeah, Macmillan is in danger. Macmillan could die there. The player character obviously can't because you, well, you are in the present. I was thinking of... For whatever reason, I was forgetting about Macmillan. I was thinking of Price, and I was thinking of the dude you shoot. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Who's also in there, present, yeah. He actually is, no, he actually is. The guy you shoot yeah. is present. Yeah, who is in the present? That's what I said. Yep. He, with no arm, because you took his arm off. Because your bullet magically curves to hit his arm in a very awkward way, if you're me, when you hit him. Yeah, I mean, that's for story reasons, but it also raises that other question that you were talking about before. But, um, like, All Gillied Up is re- legitimately very good, although I did have one of those moments sneaking through where I think a dude stepped on me. I really don't like All Gillied Up. I saw you in the Discord saying that was one of the best levels, and so I was like, okay, I have to get there. And I was super disappointed with it, to the point where I wondered if, because the uh, interaction between levels is so bad, if you were actually thinking of one shot, one kill, which I think is a much better level. I was thinking of that full sequence. Gotcha. Because All Gillied Up is maybe the worst level, in ter- in my opinion, in terms of you're on a theme park ride. There is the bit you're talking about where you have to sneak past the army as they're walking by you, but I feel like that's the only really interactable part of the level. There's also kind of the part where McMillan's like, okay, we can kill these guys or sneak by them, but if you kill them, you have to do it in a specific order, or no matter what, it'll they'll catch you, and I find that to be very weak. One of the funny like joke things is if you... If- when McMillan tells you it's a wild dog, sneak past it. If you shoot the dog, it actually conjures up like a venerable horde 
of dogs. <laughs> that is kind of amusing. But so much of that level is just follow McMillan, run with McMillan, crouch with McMillan, crawl with McMillan. I mean, it's it's a. I think the level. It's it's more a matter of it stands out in my mind. Like that. I think actually that's what I actually said. Is that all? Gillied up is a level I still remember now. Like. Before playing this game again, I remembered all gillied up. I remembered that cargo ship level. I mean, it's the first level, but I still remembered it. And I think one of the problems is so much of the stuff in Unispekistan um, <laughs> is just so generic. It just feels like Call of Duty. Um, it's just going through, shooting some guys, waiting for your sergeant or for your captain to open a door. Uh, the stuff with soap is much more interesting, but it it's blended with that early on in such a way that, like I said, I think the first couple hours of this game are super, super boring, and then it really picks up. Having played more Call of Duty games, when this one came out, because I played Call of Duty 3 on the 360, it was one of the early launch titles, this one felt a lot, like, it felt new and fresh, and part of, of that was, I think, the uh, the non-World War II element to it. So it's kind of along the lines of where's this story going? And you don't really run into that issue where it feels really, really generic because we haven't seen that many yet. I think this was, I'd have to double check, but this was separated from Call of Duty 3 by a few years. This is also the first Call of Duty I ever played, but the thing I mostly notice about it is how, like, to me, how fluid the motion felt by comparison to other first-person shooters. It actually does have really strong fluid motion to it, but then, like, now it feels so generic because of the fact that everything followed this template. Yeah, they saturated themselves. It's also got Call of Duty problems that I didn't even bring up because they're so ingrained in my head. I didn't think they were worth bringing up at all. But I have this thing specifically with Call of Duty where when I get stuck on clutter on the ground, it infuriates me. Because Is that Call of Duty specifically? Oh, I find it to be so much worth in Call of Duty. I think huh. it's a matter of map design. But I always feel like, hey, if I there was like a low like bench in my way and I kicked it, I would know why I couldn't move and I would move around it. I would not just keep hitting forward on the front stick and run into it and be shot by a bunch of people not understanding why I'm not moving the way I want. Why to. is that different in Call of Duty than it is in other games? I think I, I actually know the answer. It's because Call of Duty levels are traditionally a lot more cluttered with stuff than they are in other levels. Look at Halo and compare yeah. it to this. Yeah, There's not as very... much ground clutter in Halo. Yeah, be- to feel like sci-fi, Halo levels are very sterile, and there's not a lot in them. Halo is also very colorful compared to this game. We didn't bring up the brown and muzzle flash problem that this game is kind of responsible for. Yeah, it it was largely responsible for gray brown muzzle flash being the primary color palette. In addition, you can jump in Halo. Yes. So if I'm stuck, I just hit A and get over it. Uh... Yeah. Um, the, where was this in uh, relation to Gears of War? Uh, I really don't like Gears of War. I believe this also was after Gears. Of War. Gears. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about that problem. Yeah, no, sorry. No, I. Um, in terms of the muzzle flash palette. Yeah, this I is was... post-Gears of War. So. Okay. So, and Gears of War is also certainly a contributor. Gears has a lot of red in it, though. It does. Yeah, Gears has a surprising amount of color when you actually look at it, because a lot of the armor is very is also very blue. It, it has a problem with enemy distinction, where their palette is super incredibly dumb and bad, but the game <laughs> itself is... The enemies will at least pop from what's around them. The other thing is, and I, I really don't like the way that Call of Duty shows you damage. I, I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't like that the more damage you take, the harder it is to see what's going on and get out of that situation. Although it kind of has a snowballing effect, like a lot of the multiplayer does, so... 
I mean, it doesn't bother me. I actually don't mind re- regenerating health to begin with, and I don't mind what he's talking about, but I can definitely understand it. Yeah, I don't mind the re- the regenerating health creates some uh, cognitive dissonance issues, but I didn't even want to get into those. Um, I honestly, I think those are fine, just because. Yeah. Like it allow, especially multiplayer, it allows you to regroup and be able to like turn the tides. I'm fine with that. The thing but- is, honestly, health packs also are cognitive dissonance issues. Yeah, they're diff- There's a different sort of cognitive dissonance. It's it's issue. a different side of what which aspect of game design do you want to go with? Do you want yeah. it to be an attrition based thing, or do you want to make it into a every challenge can be overcome? Yeah, everything's all or nothing in the regenerating health system. Either you kill them or you don't, and they might come back and kill you in five seconds if you didn't. Uh, my point, the point I was trying to get to is, it's a display thing that I have a problem with. Yeah, Halo yeah, has no, the it's, same it's thing, the filter I, that they no, put that, on that's the screen. That's what I. I know it's a display thing. I don't have. I don't have the issue, so it's hard for me to understand it. Do we want to get into multiplayer? There's a weird thing where, similar to Tetris, I don't know that I have a lot to say to say about Call of Duty 4's multiplayer. It's got a pretty good selection of good maps. Um, the weapon balance because ironically compared to the main campaign it heavily emphasizes you choosing what weapons you want to use and load out which gives you a ton of freedom to decide how you want to play the game i think think that's why the multiplayer is so good (laughs) i I think the multiplayer in this particular instance because that is one of the reasons this game is such a big deal is because you look at a lot of multiplayer games at this point and they're following in this game's footsteps. This is what revolution this is what put COD on the map, I think. It was um, just kind of a niche genre until yeah, cuz you can create your own class picking any gun you want with any secondary almost any secondary you want provided you have enough levels and that's another thing since it used that RPG mechanic of leveling up progression and you unlocking new weapons. And having challenges for each one of those weapons and doing specific things, it really made you want to try and do different things and new things. And of course, this game also has some of the best multiplayer maps designed for for a shooter, in my opinion. Crash is outstanding, legitimately one of my favorites of all time. But we also haven't even mentioned the perks. Which are like a ton of fun, and I think kind of like you can have two people with the exact same weapon loadout, but then mechanically they behave differently because of the perks. Yes, exactly that. Which are basically just like random buffs that you can pick. Uh, like my, one of my favorites, if you're bad at this game, is the martyr perk where you just drop a grenade on death. And the knife, which is very controversial, but I think is excellent game design. It's kind of worthless in the campaign, but the reason they put it in there is they wanted this game to be played at medium to long range engagements. So the knife exists as a reset. If you get close, then like there is a punishment mechanic in there. It was actually not that big of a deal in Call of Duty 1. Yes, it could be annoying when you were playing multiplayer. It didn't really become a problem until Call of Duty Modern Warfare yeah, 2. Where people started making entire perk sets designed around Well, it's because that's, that's when they added in the tactical knife, so the knife was so much faster. I think it just... That's going to set people off in a certain way. A certain sort of people, I should say. It's similar to the pistol in Halo, which I love the pistol in Halo and don't think they should have changed it. But a lot of people were like, it's a pistol, it should be weak. I think a lot of people have the same idea about that knife. Of Why do I need to hit you 30 times with this machine gun, but only once with a knife? My the answer problem. is game design. Yeah, it exactly. doesn't actually matter. Honestly, and I agree the, with you on both counts. The but. pistol thing for me and Halo wasn't so much, it's a pistol, it should be weak. It's, it's way too accurate. Well, yeah, because the pistol is secretly a sniper rifle in that game. That's <laughs> the way it's designed, it's and I think that's a, good. It's, it's actually a marksman's rifle, not yeah. a sniper rifle. Yeah. 
but like that's the big that's the big issue that I always had is it's too accurate for what it does. It, it can kill in three shots. It just should be a little bit more inaccurate. But because Halo doesn't have any like weapon sway or yeah, recoil, things basically really. just go where you point them, right? Yeah. So. so, but that's also not the same game. So, like, I think really the multiplayer maps mated with the progression mechanic is really what. And the, like, depth of character customization. Like, you don't get that many options, but, like, the actual combination of them ends up with a ton of options. You can change up how you want to play. Because you can have that guy, two guys using the same gun, but one guy's using, like, a grenade launcher. Whereas the other guy is using an ACOG scope. Sorry, I misspoke. A noob tube. (laughs) Or a grenade, or a uh, ACOG, or a red dot, or a silencer. But also you can change between deaths, so you're like, oh, this is a bad matchup for this guy, and I really want to get that guy. You can go and change your loadout yeah, in the middle of the match. Up to, I think, five. You can yep. just be like, okay, when I respawn, I want to respawn with this class. And it's very good for a casual player. I kind of think a thing that's underrated about map design for multiplayer is where you place weapons and how that becomes an important for control. But I do like that you just get to pick the weapon you want, and you just get to go with it. I think that's really good. It lets you... Get especially if you're new, get comfortable with the weapon you like, and just keep using that if that's what you want to do. Or if you want to snipe, you don't have to worry about, hey, did one of the allies take the sniper? Um, you just pick the sniper rifle, and you go at it. This is actually, uh, someone was asking about squadrons earlier, and I said, I think they took a lot of the really good game design that I think Call of Duty specifically popularized, where it's very accessible for a new player, but there's actually a fairly high skill curve. So, or, uh, sorry, not skill curve, uh, like skill ceiling yes thank you a very high skill ceiling um so that you can hop in and feel like you're effective and even get a few lucky kills on like super veterans um well part of that is the lack of durability when it comes to to players so you have such low health one shot from your standard sniper rifle is going to put somebody down like i think it is very well designed in that respect it allows people it allows you to feel effective regardless of your skill level but being more skilled definitely pays off I think that's kind of all I have to say about Call of Duty. Is there anything, or Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare? Is there anything you guys want to add? Yes. There is one thing that we actually kind of forgot. This is also one of the very first games in which you can shoot through walls. Okay. Yeah. That's a good uh, point. I don't like that mechanic, and that's why I didn't think of it, but it is uh, kind of a big deal that a lot of games would take from this. I actually like that idea and that mechanic because it's not every wall, it's the lighter, the lighter walls that. It's like, yes, you can use them for cover, especially in multiplayer. It's like, it's cover, but it's more of cover in the way of people don't know you're behind it than it is it's going to block a bullet. What I will say is, I love it in Siege. We should play more Siege. We should play more games as a group in general. That's fair. (laughs) So speaking of games as a group in general, we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. At the very top is Chrono Trigger, um, a game where you can't walk through walls. At the very bottom is City Connection, a game with no walls. But some floors. And dead in the center is Blades of Steel. (laughs) Shoot the puck! Obviously, the place to start is Call of Duty. We have that at number 30, which is almost certainly higher than I wanted it. But I think there's no contest this game is better. Yeah. Yes. The next shooter we have up on our list is way up at number 6, and it is Doom. And I think Doom is the better game. Mostly due to enemy design, it's something we didn't even get into with Call of Duty 4, because there almost isn't enemy design in Call of Duty 4. There are guys, they can have different guns, and there are dogs. And Um, tanks. 
I, yeah, tanks really just feel like a set piece to me, honestly. They do, they kind of. kind of are. See, if we were just looking at enemy design or the single player aspect of this game, I would have to agree with you and say Doom should go above it. However, because the multiplayer aspect of this game is such a big thing, I actually think Call of Duty 4 should go above it. And I think that is the argument, and that's where we're split, is I think the single player of Doom is more important and more influential, so I think it's better, but I cannot argue against you on the multiplayer. It's just a preference of taste, which makes it up to Tyler. Which is unfortunate because it really depends on what sort of mood I'm in, whether or not I would prefer to play Doom or play a couple rounds of multiplayer in Call of Duty with someone. So, that's tough. Should I flip a coin? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, is that Doom's single player was incredibly influential, whereas COD's multiplayer was super influential to the point where things outside of COD's own genre are starting to take bits and pieces from it. Yeah, and that's really tough for me. Um, Like, I kind of want to say Doom, but I feel like that's almost colored by nostalgia, and also the awesome soundtrack, which does matter, but... Um yeah, although the, the the thing about Doom's soundtrack is you can say, yeah, it's great. You can also say, also, they stole it and kind of negate it. Also, yeah, also, they stole it. Um, mostly, it just complements the gameplay a lot. Oh, and it, I think for that's sure. really the important part. It's definitely the music they were listening to while they were thinking about encoding the game. <laughs> Bam, I got this machine to run this game we just wrote. Well, future me will hate me for this decision, but I think I'm going to put Call of Duty 4 above because I think that multiplayer is just, they hit such a gold mine with that. Okay, the only other shooter we have above Doom is Halo. Um, and for the same reasons that I think Doom is better than Call of Duty 4, I think Halo is better than Call of Duty 4. With the added thing that Halo's multiplayer is much closer to Call of Duty 4's than Doom's multiplayer is to Call of Duty 4, uh, they're very different, and I think a lot of people would say Call of Duty 4's multiplayer is an evolution of stuff Halo brought, and it's a little difficult to argue with that, but there's also a degree to which, like I said, um, I think having weapons on the map is super valuable. I feel like Halo lost a tremendous amount when it tried to copy Call of Duty's um, loadout system. I honestly don't think uh, Halo should have copied Call of Duty's multiplayer system because of the fact that it's Halo. Be Halo. Don't be Call of Duty. Exactly. Um, I think for the same reasons I said Call of Duty should go above Doom, I think Call of Duty should go above Halo because, like, yes, it was building on the things that Halo had already done and... Just the maps are better in Call of Duty, and on top of that, they were building on a foundation in that progression system. Man, that progression system kept me coming back for so long. So I don't think it hit me quite, I mean, it definitely hit me like some sort of crack cocaine, but I don't think it hit me quite as hard. So my my counter-argument is I think that the uh, single-player design of halo is just so much better the level design is great the enemy design is great and they do kind of a similar thing where there is kind of a sniper level in halo but you it still gives you more choice you don't have to snipe in that level and i think the guns in halo i don't want to say they're better designed because they're going for such different ideas but when you decide okay these are my two guns in halo you're making a choice that is never a choice you're making in call of duty single player i feel although it is kind of a choice you make in call of duty's multiplayer yes like i feel like call of duty's multiplayer is so better um i just value the amount of thought that went into halo's single player design a lot more so there a lot did go into halo's single player design i can't take that away from it i think that might be one of the reasons why it got above doom Yep. Um, I, I think it has a much better single-player design than Doom. So um, are you saying Halo? Or are you I, saying... I'm saying Halo, I think. Okay. So, it will not make it into the top three. Game number four on our list is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. 
And I, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a Doom should have been above Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and COD goes above it too. I think I prefer Symphony of the Night. Again, it comes down to level design because Symphony of the Night is kind of just two giant levels that I think are very well designed. I don't think they are very you don't? well designed. Okay. I actually really don't like Symphony of the Night's level design very much. Okay. So, <laughs> um, that said, hmm, that is a tough choice. Again, the multiplayer is just, that, like, that progression is so well done. And that's a huge thing. Castlevania Symphony of the Night doesn't have a multiplayer, so it's already weird to compare that. Yeah, and, like, this is a weird... Like, again, it really depends on what sort of mood I'm in, which one of these I'd want to play, because I think they're both pretty good examples of games in their genres. I mean, yeah, we call them Metroidvanias, and yep. <laughs> we don't call them Calls of Duty 4, but... They are. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most important milestones on the first-person shooter map. There's no question about that. Yeah, it definitely left a uh, pretty sizable impact when it landed. Um, like I, said, I think it should go above it, in part because it does have a multiplayer, so you can play it with people you know. Should every game have a multiplayer, though? I don't think every game should. However, games that do are automatically getting a boost. And I actually genuinely kind of miss that time where Nintendo felt like they had to tack on some weird multiplayer, because we got so many weird ideas. And I'm sure that's actually a symptom of they had a bunch of ideas for 3D games that were too simple to be their own games. Do you remember so, uh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day multiplayer? Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking Donkey Kong 64s. And, <laughs> Uh, well, that was made by the same people who made yeah, oh, very both of similar. Those were made by the people who made Perfect Dark. So, but yeah, uh, so it's up to you, Tyler. It is, um, and this one's fairly tough because, again, it really depends on the mood I'm in. There and is ha- some ma- there is some symmetry in putting Call of Duty Four at number four. <laughs> <laughs> Call of Duty number four on the list. Um, I was kind of leaning Symphony of the Night, but the more I'm thinking about how frustrating that map is to navigate sometimes. I've been playing it again recently, too. Gotcha. So, man, I just really like the aesthetic a lot more, though. Oh, man, the aesthetic for Call of... I don't want to say the aesthetic for Call of Duty 4 is garbage, because certainly someone likes it, but, like, that modern brown, that's so... If I had to pick one for aesthetics, it'd probably be Symphony of the Night, because, let's be honest... It look it still has a lot more character than normal dudes in body armor, but I I mean I'm I'm on record as being a major shooter guy. I prefer the gameplay out of Modern Warfare, but I definitely cannot take away from Symphony of the Night that it has some banging visuals. Yeah, so like just as an example of where my head is, uh, like last night I was waffling between playing Squadrons for the fast-paced actioniness of it, or Medieval Dynasty for the like grindy like management aspect of it, and I feel like this is a very similar comparison. And what I ended up doing is playing a round of Squadrons and then going over to Medieval Dynasty, <laughs> which is making this very hard because I can't just say it's a tie. Um, I think I'm probably gonna have to give it to Symphony of the Night. Okay, really, I- I'm a little yeah. surprised. I'm also a little surprised. Uh, I don't, but, but that's also what my call was. So, <laughs> so then the final question: Is it better or worse than Castlevania for the NES? Better. Period. <laughs> as much as I love the level design in Castlevania, I don't think it holds up. Well, since up. they deadlocked Doom and Castlevania, it being better than Doom automatically makes it better than Castlevania. So, Call of that's Duty. That's not for... how that works, Zach. That's not how this list has ever worked. Actually, that's how Castlevania got above Doom. They were literally tied, and Jeremy just fiated Castlevania above Doom. I said alphabetical. Oh, did we did we have a tie at one point? I, I you couldn't make a decision. A... Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I think I agree with that decision. <laughs> alphabetical. <laughs> so, Call of Duty 4, 
also alphabetically above Castlevania. We'll go above Castlevania and below Symphony of the Night at number five, knocking Mega Man X out of the top ten. Oh no, I'm sorry, X. Not that sorry. And Star Tropics out of the top 100. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were going to say out of the top 50, and was like, I mean, I like Star Tropics. Uh, Shantae like got well. knocked out of the top 50. Um, I think at this point we're basically just going to be aw. looking at games that go in the top percentile because I think most of the games that we're thinking of calling are oh. going to be better than that. Uh, most. I wanted to tell you that Harvest Moon 64 got knocked out of the top 25, but that's a great transition into what I'm calling for next week. So what's up for <laughs> next time? Well, we have to play one more Mega Man game, I feel like. Um, just to kind of round it out. Yeah. Are we going to play Z or ZX? No, but I did decide we've played enough Mega Man platformers. Um, okay. And I briefly got very into the Mega Man Battle Network series of games. Okay. They're pretty interesting RPGs. They do have that JRPG problem where you have to wait seven years before the game starts. But I actually think like, it's a very interesting collection of mechanics for a JRPG. And I'm very curious in particular to see what Zach likes or what Zach thinks of it. Um, and since there are plenty of games in the series available on the Wii U, and traditionally two is the best Mega Man, and <laughs> I, I think three is better in Battle Network, but they did this weird Pokemon Red and Blue thing that doesn't make any sense. That's so right. we are going to play Mega Man Battle Network 2. Not Where can we get that? The Wii U Virtual Console. Okay. Man, or or Second and Charles. I haven't turned on my Wii U in forever. Or Ed, I think, owns a physical card. <laughs> Go talk to Ed. So next time on Last Time, they're attacking the internet. 